Welcome to another CFK Nutrition episode. You're hanging out with me, Kate, and I have been really sick this past week, like next level emergency room, getting tests, getting scanned sick. I've never been to the emergency room before, so this was a first. Um, And what led to this was a few days of feeling like kind of bloated and cramping. I totally lost my appetite. And for me to lose my appetite, that that means something's wrong. really wrong. I never lose my appetite. So I was a little bit suspicious, but I ovulated and I'd had a UTI earlier in the week. It was a pretty mild UTI. um, And you know, I get UTIs maybe once a year or just over that. So I'm pretty used to treating it myself and dealing with it and it's fine. And this one didn't feel that severe. So I was like, cool. And then on Thursday or Friday, I ovulated uh, and then I just had like this bloating and pain and I was like, ah, what? what? I thought it was just ovulation gone awry because of the UTI. I thought that they just were badly timed and I was just suffering because of that scenario. Um, And so I kind of just like stuck it out and... (laughs) Saturday I was like kind of in bed I was kind of emotional I was just like my back was really sore my back was so freaking sore and then I had a bunch of pain on my uh, like the front down in my lower abdomen so hence I thought it was just ovulation pain Uh, and come Sunday same thing like I was like I just don't feel great Um, and then on Sunday I started shivering I was freezing, but it was a weird kind of freezing. Normally my feet get cold and that kind of like starts the process of me being like, okay, no, I feel cold. This, my feet weren't cold and my my skin temperature was like very, very hot, but I was shaking uncontrollably like shivering and not able to calm down I thought that I was just a bit hyped up and I was like I just need to breathe and relax and like let this go I don't know what's going on um and I tried to warm up but it it wasn't happening and Greg was like I'm taking you to the hospital (laughs) so Sunday afternoon at about 4 p.m I rocked up to the hospital uh and they did a bunch of tests I had a super high fever um and then they did some they took a urine sample and then they made me hang out and wait for some results nothing came back uh well actually no the the results that I got was that there was blood in my urine um which you actually can't see it was just blood cells so I had white blood cells uh and then some red blood cells as well uh and then there was also uh what was the other thing i think like a couple of inflammation markers were high and some other things like that so they were like look it's a suspected kidney infection um go home tomorrow go get an ultrasound we'll put you on some broad spectrum antibiotics and then they're waiting on another test to come back which i still actually haven't gotten back which it's almost been a week and i'm like ugh, um because this next test that i'm waiting on the results for will determine which antibiotics i should take because at the moment the antibiotics i'm on i just smashing everything which is not ideal um and my body's response to that has been now that my immune system is uh you know whatever you want to call it i guess it's been maybe weakened or it's a little bit it's it's just working over over time probably uh my bottom lip is broken out in cold sores and i mean cold sores plural i've never had cold sores like this before it's like three quarters of my bottom lip uh, is like welts you know when they do um like movie makeup (laughs) like very dramatic um special effects makeup to make people in like a medieval film look sick that's what it looks like is on my lip but it's real (laughs) it's it's so bad it's terrifying it's straight up a plague um but it's just it's just a cold sore well 
a few. So that's what I'm kind of dealing with right now. But I went and got ultrasounds and there was nothing that came back. And like they did my appendix, they did my ovaries, they did my bladder, they did my kidneys, they did everything. So there was nothing that came back that was like, oh, your appendix is inflamed. You've got appendicitis or like you've got a cyst in your ovary. So nothing came back that told them that it was anything that they weren't already suspecting. Um, and so now I'm just waiting on the final urine test, which interestingly enough, what they do is they put the sample on what I'm assuming is kind of more or less a Petri dish. And then they place different types of antibiotics onto the sample. And whatever the bugs run away from in terms of the antibiotics tells you which antibiotic to use. And that is also diagnostic and can also, obviously, if it's responding to a particular antibiotic, it can kind of tell you and indicate what it most likely is in terms of what I've actually got that I'm dealing with. So at the moment, all signs are kind of pointing to a kidney infection. It could be something else, though. We're just waiting on this last uh, test result to come back. But that's been my week it's been interesting I've been in bed a lot my fever hung around for like three days and that was pretty wild um but basically paracetamol ibuprofen was kind of more or less keeping it at bay but every like five maybe six hours when it would like slowly wear off I would start feeling that shaking again and like man what a wild experience it just makes you go like no wonder people didn't live very very long back in the day like before we had medicine and and just modern technology in general because um yeah that was rough and I can't imagine having to just just try and like live through that without any any kind of support or medicine um so yeah it makes you real grateful for health doesn't it whenever you get sick you're like oh god being healthy is just a gift feeling normal is really special um so I'm pretty excited to feel normal although I am I'm pretty much like today I have no no real pain in my right side like it's been painful to walk until today um so that's good the pain like literally where my liver is seems to have pretty much gone um and now it's just like my lip is really quite sore and and it's got a like kind of burning sensation um, but otherwise, like I feel good. Headaches gone, the shaking, the shivering, the fever, all that's gone. So that's good. Um, and now I'm here recording a podcast, which is nice because I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do this week. This week, I was uh, basically more or less trying to do nothing, um, and I was doing a lot of sleeping and chilling out. So it was good. So um, we actually have some exciting news. I have created some new memberships with regards to coaching so we have three tiers now we have the first tier which is do it yourself essentially it's a consultation style coaching system where you get two calls you have one initial call that is an extended call where you chat about everything and you will get given a strategy a bit of a plan if you track you'll be given targets uh, if you don't you'll be given some kind of uh, guidance in terms of what you're going to eat um, and you will receive a seven-day guide for eating with all of your meals and snacks and then level two is essentially the model that exists right now which is weekly check-ins so you have weekly accountability as well as you know eating guide uh, and our nutrition guide and those other things but you're working with a coach every single week so this is really good for just ongoing support and then the third tier is the like full access tier so this is where if you need more than weekly accountability you want the top tier 
level because this is where you have full access to your coach. You can communicate with them, contact them, message them, call them, email them at any time during the week. You can have as many check-ins as you like with them over the phone or via text. Um, There will be two official check-ins that you'll actually do where you actually like stop and take stock of what's going on and where you're at and and maybe do a call or an online check-in. And so that is like the full service that's that's the the valet service i guess so um for those of you who want that level of support i think that this is going to be a really amazing offer and the other thing is we've removed the 12 week minimum and the reasoning behind this was to be honest i believe that people do need to invest a certain amount of time in the program and getting the coaching and going through this process and kind of there are some ups and ground ups and downs and growing pains that happen when you step into this process and you have to go through them and for people to go in for one month and pull the pin it's like you're just not going to get what you need out of this you've you've got to see through the hard days and in order to get to the good days um so i run we're taking away the the 12 week minimum but the reason for this is is I don't want that to be a barrier I don't want that to be the reason that people don't commit because I understand that 12 weeks is a big financial commitment I understand that just knowing I've got to do this for three months can be off-putting because people will go well I'll wait until after the holidays I'll wait until after the birthday I'll wait until after xyz and I, I want it to be something where people can be like okay I'm just going to do four weeks just commit to that just do a month and then see how you go Um, And what this means is you could start with the full access coaching tier, the the top tier, and then drop down. So you could go from full access to, to weekly, or you could start with the do it yourself. And then if you want the additional support, you can add on later on. So there's a, it's just a nice system where you're going to be able to switch back and forth and adjust and just get what you need out of the program um, according to where you're at and what kind of support you need. And, and really the reflection or, or the determiner for the level of support that you need is probably your consistency. If you struggle with building consistency, then you need more support. If consistency for you, you're pretty good to get like six, eight weeks, like you kind of just go and you're independent and you're fine and you don't tend to have uh, massive like breaks from consistency where you go, I've just had a bad day. I've had a bad weekend. I'll just write this week off. Like if you are not that person, then you probably can lean towards doing the do-it-yourself option because you don't need that accountability. But if you're someone who gets like four weeks in and they're amazing and then you have a few bad days or a weekend where there's like a couple of birthdays and like a dinner out or two and then suddenly it's like it's really hard and you're scrambling and you cannot keep that consistency going. For you, I'm going, hey get the weekly or the full access coaching so the your ability to be consistent really determines the level of support that you will need Um, so the more that you struggle the more support and accountability generally speaking people people are going to require and that's an important thing to remember you know I think so many people blame themselves when they cannot be consistent like they are the problem and it's me and like I'm not good enough I'm not disciplined enough I'm I'm not consistent enough I, I don't want it bad enough like I'm failing, I self-sabotage, whatever the story is, but I think it's so important to recognize the environment and do you have the support? Do you have someone holding you accountable? Have you been able to build these habits over a long period of time with someone checking in on you to make sure you do it? Like the smartest people you know have coaches and mentors for that reason because it helps them do more than what they could do on their own. Um, And I know it can be really hard to know when to ask for help or even just to 
ask for help in the first place. But man, having that accountability, just even that, you know, outside of the education and the support and the knowledge and the clarity that you're going to get about nutrition and what you need to do from coaching, just the accountability. If you just had that, that is going to take you so far. That's going to take you majority of the way. It really is one of the biggest things that will and I don't want to say guarantee success but like if you want to accomplish something having someone hold you accountable to that goal and you being in this kind of deal this two-way deal where you've got someone who's going to check in on you and you're going to check in for them and you can create that relationship then like that is going to give you uh, or set you up for so much more success than potentially what you could do on your own okay the actual topic of today's episode is discussing the cost of being lean. And this is actually, I guess the title is inspired from an old Precision Nutrition article. And the cost of being lean really discussed what the trade-offs are from being percentages of body fat. So it had really a spectrum and it was like, you know, 25 to 30% body fat all the way down to 5 to 10% body fat. And it had different different percentages for males and females. And essentially at each, you know, 5% uh, decrease in body fat, there was a different trade-off that had to be made. And what I really liked about that article was it highlighted the fact that the leaner you get, typically the greater the cost and the more trade-offs are going to be. And they're not just like, oh, you can't drink alcohol because you're lean and you have dick skin, <laughs> dick skin abs, like, you know, dick skin, thin abs. And I know that sounds really strange, but I don't know why, but that dick skin, like, I guess it's an analogy of like that level of leanness where if you pinch your skin on your abs, it's like there's no fat. It's just like you pinch straight skin. It's like, that's what I mean. (laughs) So don't go get any weird ideas. Um, So like that level of leanness being like, oh, I just I can't drink alcohol, I guess. No, no, no. Those are not the sacrifices. That's not the risk. The risk of being an extreme level of leanness actually incorporates the potential for disordered eating, some body dysmorphia, obsession around food and your body image, the way that you look, and uh, having this compulsive tendency or need to control your food uh, as well as your training and your exercise regime. So it kind of becomes your personality. Um, And to be honest, you know, I'm someone who (laughs) does a little online dating. And when I see like really good looking, fit, lean people, sometimes I'm like, oh, they have no personality. Okay, swipe left. I don't know if anybody else is like that, like any like typically stereotypical, beautiful people that are like hyper lean. I'm like, especially if they have photos where it's like they know they're like super attractive. I'm like, "Mm, I just am so doubtful about your personality. So (laughs) maybe that should be in one of the like the list of like the cost of being lean, like your personality. (laughs) Oh, savage. So there are things that come when you, you know, get to this potential fantasy body for some of us, where as much as we think that we're only going to get good things if we get that lane, there are in fact inherently negative things that one, come as part and parcel of getting that lane because you have to do the work to get there, right? So like I said earlier, the whole not drinking, like that really is one of the sacrifices. You cannot even smell alcohol. Like you have to keep away from that. 
that. You can't have any processed or sugary foods. You can't have treats on occasion. You have to be so regimented with your food. You have to be so precise and accurate with your tracking. You absolutely must hit your macros all the time. You will be weighing and tracking your food. You cannot get that lean without doing that. Um, It's just, it, you will have a really hard time trying to do that, trying to be that lean without tracking. You will have to be very particular about the different types of foods that you eat in terms of macronutrients. So your ratio of macronutrients will have to be quite specific and you're just going to be relatively restricted in terms of eating out. In fact, not relatively restricted, you probably won't be eating out. Like that is really the reality. You you don't eat out when you're you're that lean. Um, And, you know, I remember seeing uh, it was... Marcus Philly, um, who has an excellent Instagram page, and I believe he has a pretty good YouTube. I'm not a massive YouTube user, but he just creates great content all around. And I remember him putting up a post many years ago that was like, I eat whatever I want, said no one with abs ever. And I was like, that's the truth. I think we get this idea that there are skinny, lean people that just can eat whatever they want. And there's a small percentage of people that struggle to gain weight. Absolutely, that's true. However, for those of us who struggle to get lean, that's not us. (laughs) That, uh, unfortunately, is not us. If you're someone who has no problem putting on weight, you will never be the person that can eat whatever they want. Okay, that is the reality. Uh, And same thing with, obviously, people like Marcus Philly. He's like, I was packing and weighing and measuring my food for Christmas Day. Like, that was the reality. I packed my holiday meals. Um, And I think that's really, if you're going to get that lean, that really is uh, the reality that you have to consider. Um, And so, you know, for some people, maybe that is not too great of a cost. But I think for many of us, I hope that it is far too great of a cost because it costs us our lifestyle. It costs us our freedom. It costs us our flexibility and it costs our or limits our enjoyment with, you know, social events, with being out with people, with eating foods that we like. And, you know, some of that stuff seems really basic and we should be able to give it up. But the reality is, is it provides us with joy and there's nothing wrong with that. There is absolutely nothing wrong with eating food because we enjoy it. Um, I just want to like straight off, like say that, set that as like a standard, like it's okay to eat food because you like it. So I wanted to kind of build on this theme and keep going with the idea of, hey, what are, if we could be unbiased, because typically, you know, at least for many of us listening to this podcast and looking for nutrition coaching, we are looking to lean up. We're looking to be thinner. And so we have these probably rose colored glasses on when it comes to thinking about what life will be like when we're lean and when we have that fantasy body. And when we scroll on Instagram, when we see girls who are skinny and you're like, oh, I can't wait to look like that. And like, I really want to make a plan and a strategy. I'm going to make sure that 2024 is my year and I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to be perfect. I'm going to eat so well and it's going to be totally different. And, you know, we romanticize and fantasize about what life will be like. And so we get very biased. Um, And so we have to figure out a way of actually kind of pulling out that bias view and seeing things a little bit more objectively and clearly. So the idea that there is a cost to being lean can help us with that. It can just give us a little bit more balance in our assessment of what we really want and need in life. So the cost of being lean and... This is probably not the best title right now because really it's like, I almost wanted to write it as like, what are the myths 
or what are the things you don't want from being lean? Like what, what comes with being lean that you actually don't want? But anyway, here we go. Number one, that you will be happy. One of the biggest things that we think we are going to get from leaning up, from losing fat, from looking like one of those girls on Instagram is we think we're going to be really happy. And unfortunately, that is not the case. The way that you look is not going to be a one for one with your satisfaction, with your contentness, with your happiness, with your joy. We believe that our problems are related, associated, caused, correlated with our dissatisfaction with our body. And if we can fix our body, we'll fix our problems. But those negative feelings and those negative thoughts, they exist in isolation from our body many of the time, much of the time. And we can often create the attachments ourselves. And so we almost scapegoat our body with a lot of issues. And the reality is, even if you have the perfect body, you are still going to not have happy days and you're still going to experience negative emotions. It, it's, there's no place where someone lives a life that's pain-free. Like we must experience pain. That is part of the human condition. You will not be pain-free when you get a body that looks the way that you want it to look. Your body is actually not the cause of your problems. You are the cause of your problems. Oh, I know. Oh my God. What the fuck? Right? Like our problems are our problems and, and we're the cause. And whether we are the actual cause, like we created the problems that we have, or we've given ourselves the narrative to make something that's not really our problem, our problem, it doesn't matter. But we will have problems regardless of what our body looks like is really what we're saying. You will experience pain and bad days and Even more specifically, you will have bad body image days and you will have things that you want to improve. You are not going to magically fall in love with your body purely because it looks the way that you think you want it to look. And I think the reality as well is you're never going to have that fantasy body that you want because it's a it's made up it's a frankenstein body that you've just kind of like you know (laughs) sewn together in your brain with like so-and-so's ass so-and-so's waist i want those tits i want those arms i want that cheek line like whatever it may be and so this image of what we want is these this mishmash of different things from different people that's actually not us at all and so the only like the only version of you that is close to that is probably just the smaller version of you but it's still you it's still your bones it's still your shape it's still your genetics and that's really what is predisposing you to be the shape that you are Um, and, and whether you have more fat or less fat is really the only thing you can control and same thing with muscle you can control how much muscle you have or 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 definition potentially So really, you don't have that much control about what you ultimately can look like anyway. Like what you've got is what you've got. And so a big part of your happiness is figuring out what do I need to do to accept that? Because changing it is not going to accomplish the things that you want it to accomplish. Now, it's okay to want to change your body. You don't have to be like, okay, well, you know what? I'll avoid this pain of not liking my body by just loving my body and being happy the way it is and like never changing it and and removing this you know desire to lose weight like that will make things better 
and, and it doesn't like it's the pain will be there I think the reality god I say the reality a lot and when you hear a word that you're like I think I'm saying that word a lot then you suddenly hear yourself saying it all the time I'm gonna say it one more time the reality is <laughs> the reality is that negative thoughts are going to come up whether you're smaller, whether you're leaner, whether you're muscular, whether you're fatter, whether you're your body right now, whether you're your body in six months, whether you're Kendall Jenner, I always use the Kendall Jenner example, uh, whether you're like whatever celebrity you think has an amazing body, they all experience negative thoughts about their body. They all magnify the flaws. They all spot them in photos. They pose in photos in certain ways to make sure that their body looks the way that they want. Like all of those things, right? And so we'll never be free of them. And it's it's asinine to try to live a life where you don't experience those things. And in fact, you're better off to assume that they will happen and know that that's just part of being in the world that you live in, having lived the life that you've lived because you've learned this. It's this, it's it's something that you've been conditioned to do. And so it's almost a skill that you've gained and it's become an automatic thing or an unconscious thing that you do. And so stopping the thoughts won't happen. It's knowing that they're going to come knowing that they're going to come and deciding that you're not going to do anything about them and not changing the way that you eat, not desiring to like, you know, go on some drastic diet, like changing things in that kind of way, not really being an option because you prioritize your health or you prioritize your performance. Those kinds of things are what challenge that whole notion of like, oh, I just have this crazy desire and this impulse and this urge to just do something about this in this instant because enough is enough. I'm sick of it. I'm fed up. So learning that we don't have to respond to our body in that way. You're going to have those thoughts and those feelings come up, but you don't have to react in the same way. You can just eat to be a healthy human and that's okay. Okay, number two, when you're lean, you don't have to keep doing the work. Also false, you keep having to make sacrifices, even at your leanest. In fact, even it's even more important it's even more important you don't escape doing the work you have to keep making these sacrifices no alcohol no eating out weighing and measuring your food making sure you're hydrated making sure you're training like the leaner you get the more of those sacrifices you're making and it doesn't mean that you get to a certain point and then it's like chick like chick trick chick I don't know what I'm, I'm trying to say like a click sound you know where it's like click work is done, like complete job done. (laughs) You do not get that. And I think many of us believe that that's the case where it's like, I'm going to lose five kilos or I'm going to lose 10 kilos and then boom, I'll be happy and I'll be good. I'll be able to live my fabulous life and my fabulous body. Fucking no, you will have to keep living the life that got your body that way. Like you will have to keep doing those things. Your food intake may be able to increase by a degree because if you're just maintaining the new weight then you can eat more food than you were eating to lose the weight however if you're smaller your ability to eat as many calories will certainly not be as high as they were when they were as it was when it was bigger when your body was bigger so that's something to factor in you can't actually eat that much more food um so you you just kind of have to keep going you just have to keep going as long as you want the results 
that's kind of the reality of it. So you have to really love the process and really love putting in this effort and love prioritizing it. And as much as we don't want to like get to the point where you're lean to the degree that you're making these huge sacrifices for forever, it is important that you recognize that the work that it takes to lose the weight is the work that you to a degree are going to have to keep doing. And that's why we highlight and focus on just enjoying the process. And maybe enjoy is not the right word, but the day-to-day should be something that feels like you can just keep doing it. You can just keep going. Like it's not too bad. If it feels like a struggle and it's really hard and it's super high effort and you're having to say no to so many things and it's super restrictive, you can't eat any food that you enjoy, that's not the right kind of process that you want to stick to or that you could stick to, right? You want a process where it's like, I eat really healthy food most of the time, but you know what? Like if I want a treat, like I just, I have a treat once a day if I want. I can do that because I know I've got that room and I've got that flexibility in not only my food choices, but just my my thinking, just mentally. I know that I'm open to bringing in a treat and having food that I enjoy and that's cool. It's so, so important that you lose weight or eat to manipulate your body weight in whichever direction you want to go in a way that you enjoy that is I just feel like people don't really factor that in when they're trying to accomplish a goal with that's a body composition goal or a body weight goal you have to keep doing the work the work doesn't stop food is a forever thing you're gonna have to eat until the day you die and so you have to find a way to make these choices that you're that you're making to to lose the weight or to to whatever something that becomes part of who you are and your identity and your lifestyle and you know there's like a bit of a joke of like oh it's a lifestyle change because it is it has to be quite a massive transition in how you perceive yourself you're no longer the Kate that used to binge and restrict and be extreme and hate herself and be super critical and hyper judgmental and then start all over again and restrict and then overeat. You're now the Kate that if you feel that sense of restriction creeping in, deliberately goes and eats something that's uh, quote unquote bad. Because I know that I'm actually consistently eating better and making healthier choices for the long term when I'm more balanced in my thinking. And so if I feel that creeping in, that black and white, all or nothing, ooh, I haven't eaten that much food today. Maybe I'll just keep under eating. I go and eat a lot, like lunch. I go and have a meal. In the afternoon when it's been a while and I haven't eaten and I can feel my tummy starting to rumble, I'm like, oh, that's kind of nice. Like maybe, maybe this will make me feel lean in the morning when I wake up. I go and eat a meal. I go and have some freaking protein powder or something. I don't do what I used to do because I don't want to be the Kate that I used to be. I have to bring in my new version, my new Kate, the Kate that prioritizes her health. That is the person that I want to be. And so I make decisions that that person would make. I assume the identity. You have to assume the identity of a healthy person in order to be a healthy person. You can't be who you are doing what you're doing, trying to be someone else which I know is kind of what I've just explained. But <laughs> but does that make sense? Don't let who you are stop you from being who you could be. You've got to let all the habits, all the choices, all of the thinking of you right now become old you. And you have to find what does new you do? There's a new addition that's got to come about and you can only get there by practicing. And every now and again, you'll make old you decisions and that's okay because you're just in this process of figuring out what does the new you do? And so that's a really big piece 
of just the puzzle in general with any goal whatever you're pursuing you have to figure out what does the new me do I I don't like what the old me was doing I didn't I don't like the results that the old me got and I don't want to keep repeating that pattern and expecting different results I want to figure out how I can do things differently quite drastically differently and so that means that you can't make the same decisions you used to make so when you uh, when you notice those same thoughts and feelings appearing that's what should be prompting you and motivating you to behave differently and so for me not eating being restrictive I deliberately eat I deliberately go and look for foods that I want to eat more of and have more nutrition and I want to give my body what it needs and ironically what it means is during the day I eat really consistently and my energy level is consistent and I'm, I'm eating enough protein during the day and the next day I'm not hungry I don't wake up going like oh, I feel kind of hungry and like I'm craving food my brain doesn't have cravings when I'm satisfied throughout the day by eating regularly if that was like, if there was one thing that I could get everybody to do it would be eat four meals a day Honestly, I think that so many people would surprisingly lose weight from doing that because I can tell you exactly when I crave bad food outside of like having my period, which is still, I would argue, the same like cause. I crave bad food when I'm starving, when I'm really hungry. Like that's when you want bad food because your body is signaling, go and get some energy, get me some fuel. I need something now. And so I'm going to push you to go and eat the fucking first thing you think of, what you see when you're driving down the road. You're like, oh, McDonald's sounds really good. I just drove past that Macca's and now I kind of feel like a burger. And then you drive by like a cafe and you're like, oh, maybe I should go and get a toasty. Oh, I love that brownie from that place. And suddenly it's like, you know, driving on the road is the time that you notice like everything you crave because you can get there and you can get access to it. And so it's this like massive place of like opportunity and temptation. So for me, I know that my cravings are high when I haven't eaten enough and I need to go and eat a meal and suddenly my cravings disappear. So when I'm eating regularly, I'm overall eating less. And this would be the case for many, many other people. So that's one thing. You have to keep doing the work. You have to find a way to fall in love with the process. Finally, that food will no longer be a problem. This idea that when you get the body that you want, when you lose the weight, when you gain control, food won't be an issue anymore. That will not be the thing that solves the food problem. In fact, the leaner you are trying to get, the more you're pursuing some extreme level of leanness or a lot of weight loss or you're pursuing weight loss for a very long period of time, like chronically, and I call, you know, you would associate chronic with three months or more. So I tend to try to keep people's weight loss phases to three months or less and then take a break. The food will no longer be a problem idea as if getting to the goal body weight thing is going to make food issues disappear is, is totally wrong. You're probably going to become uh, at a higher risk of maybe having worse food issues because trying to get lean, trying to get to that place, trying to lose weight for a really long period of time. I've talked to so many people who are scared to not track. I've talked to so many people who are scared to like eat certain foods. I've talked to so many people who don't understand how to have balance in their life, who are extremely restrictive, who are all or nothing in their thinking because their food stuff has not gone away um, with their weight loss. It just it doesn't. Your food issues will have to be addressed outside of weight loss. And in fact, I typically see people uh, overcoming their food stuff 
when they're not worrying about their weight. In fact, when they're totally okay with a little bit of weight gain, um, which is, you know, one of the bigger barriers to people to actually for people to actually address their food issues because they don't want to gain weight. And so they just simply keep fucking going around in circles with their food shit because they try to pursue weight loss it becomes really difficult they have bad things going on with their body image with their relationship with food um, but they don't want to stop so then they whatever and it just becomes like this cycle um, this behavior pattern and you know in the binge restrict cycle it's under eating overeating under eating overeating and that can look like starting a new diet every few months or every year it can be being quite extreme and then being totally uh, wild and eating everything um, and it can be just feeling really bad about yourself and having um, really black and white thinking around what food is okay to eat what food's not okay to eat and kind of operating from this place of fear with everything because you're worried about what you're eating all the time so the idea that if you lose the weight if you feel good about your body you won't have any issues with food anymore Um, I guess this is similar to the happy thing it's just it's false it's not true the idea that you're not going to have issues with food is uh, it's in fact it's like the opposite right like it's the likelihood of you having more issues is high the likelihood of you having a harder time getting back to eating without tracking without being restrictive without having to focus on and hyper focus on food all the time is low like it kind of introduces a whole new level of obsession to be totally honest with you And when you have to be pedantic about food to lose weight, you're not getting rid of food obsession. You're you're making it worse. And so I think, you know, people want to lose weight because they want to be free of the pain that they're suffering from. And the pain can be the discomfort in their body, but the pain can also be the the fatigue that comes with thinking about food all the time. Unfortunately, continuing to pursue a weight loss goal will typically continue to increase your exhaustion from thinking about food all the time. Because if you want to lose weight, you have to think about food. And in order to overcome the hyper obsession with food, you're going to have to let go of the weight loss goal at some stage and just take a break. Like I mean like 6 to 12 months, take a break and just learn to eat for health. And learn to let go of the rules and learn to just have all these. um, It's almost like that the food police in your head. It's like you got to let a lot of that stuff break down. And like I said before, be okay with a little bit of weight gain. And, you know, I say weight gain, but I've I've not really seen anyone gain more than two or three kilos, Um, especially if they're active and they train consistently. It's like a lot of people that are listening to this are actually already healthy with their weight if not lean if not like fit as hell and way healthier than the majority of the the population that's not training and and eating you know protein and not majority junk food so it's ironic that we kind of have to have these conversations but the food thing is as long as you stop and start diets the food thing will always be an obsession and so you got to just totally take a step away you got to totally step away and learn that 
your default mode should be not thinking about food, not obsession, not obsessing, not weighing and measuring, not tracking, not worrying about overeating, not undereating, knowing how to make sure that you're eating enough, knowing how to seek out nutrients that your body needs, knowing how to get good variants and different micronutrients, knowing that you want to rotate your protein around, all those kinds of things, the stuff that you should just be doing by default. That's like you're, I'm just eating to be a healthy person. And then from that foundation, you might eat some treats. You might go out to dinner every now and again. You might have a drink here and there. Christmas is coming up. You don't stress about it. You just enjoy it. And you kind of get on and live your life. And you figure out what it's like to not have food be the star of the show. And from that position, when you've created that life where you eat when you need to eat. And then some of the time you also eat for joy. From there, if you decide that you want to manipulate your body weight, then we bring in the control with regards to the quantity. The quality, however, should pretty much stay the same. The quality is like, I'm trying to eat as much of the foods that I know my body needs. And then if there's some food that I just like, I eat some of that stuff as well. I don't really practice major limits or restrictions. I have some healthy constraints. I know what I need. I know what I should probably not eat every single day for every single meal. But other than that, like I just eat pretty healthy food because that's what I feel best on. And that's what you've got to be constantly telling yourself and reminding yourself. Like that's the new version of you, right? Like that's the new voice in your head. And what you're not doing is being off the diet and eating with reckless abandon. So that's got to be the new version of being off the diet, that you just eat healthy and you're pretty balanced in your choices. And then when you bring in quantity control, the same thing applies. You eat pretty much good food. You might not be able to eat out. You might not drink as much alcohol now that you're trying to lean up a little bit. But the micro changes, you don't have to massively overhaul the quality of food that you're eating because all you've got to do is just control the quantity a little bit and it's not much it might be like 300 calories a day so the way that I do that is I spend most of my year not tracking and then maybe oh, once a year when I'm like okay I want to lean up um, I'll spend honestly like a month tracking but with no targets and I just want to get used to tracking again because tracking can be it can be triggering it can be it's you know it takes you back a little bit to like old Kate who can be had been really restrictive Um, and so I just track and I, I just get relaxed with it and I don't have targets and I just see where the numbers are falling and then once I figured out what I'm eating on average for those you know three to four weeks then I just eat a little bit less than that and to be honest, I don't even set targets. I know roughly what I need to eat. Like I roughly eat 1.8 to 2 grams of protein per kilo of body weight. I eat maybe like 1.1 grams of fat per kilo of body weight. And then the rest is carbs. Um, and I, on average, eat like 2,400 to 2,500 calories. So when I'm trying to lose weight, I just drop 300 calories off that. If a little less, like I just try and eat 2,200 calories maybe. Um, and that will usually produce weight loss over a few weeks. Um, and so I just sit on that. I just sit on that for ages and I just let myself be real patient, real patient. And I just keep focusing on not being hyper restrictive. I eat the right foods because I know that's what my body needs. And that's about it. That is as simple as it needs to be. And I come at it from a place of not 
hating my body, not operating from a scarcity mindset, but from this place of, you know what, I know how to eat. I know how to treat my body. I feel relaxed around food. And I, I, I know that I'm not going to make some drastic change to accomplish this fantasy body that I have in my head. I've let that go. I let that go a long time ago. And I just eat to be healthy and, and a little bit leaner. That's that's about it. I can lean up and I can get a little bit more definition in a few different places. And, and I know that's kind of it. That's, that's what I can accomplish. And that's healthy. And I don't lose my period. I don't become hungry all day. I don't feel shit in the gym. I sleep really well still. All of those things. And I can eat out every now and again. Like it's it accommodates eating out once a week. Once I can't do that, then I start to feel restricted again. So I don't. I just don't. And I know some people are willing to make more sacrifices than that. And maybe like, you know, they want to be more disciplined and, and work harder. But for me, it is counterproductive because if I get too restrictive, it ultimately swings me the other way and somewhere down the road I'm going to overeat, I'm going to binge, I'm going to want to eat out and suddenly go I'm going to eat all the food that I haven't been able to eat. So I'm going to go and have nachos from Antojitos, I'm going to make sure that I get fucking the stewed beef from uh, what's the, there's a really good Ethiopian place here, Habesha. I'm going to go and get the bagel from the bagel place and the cookie from the cookie place. And I literally have a checklist of foods that I'm like, I've been restricting myself and I haven't been able to eat this. So now I'm going to check them all off the list. And so that is not the result that I need to lose weight. That's the opposite of what I need to do. So for me, it's a fine line. It is a fine line of being flexible eating mostly healthy food, but making sure that I don't fully restrict myself. There's some healthy constraints and I eat what I know makes me feel good. But otherwise, you have to fu- like operate from this just health default mode of like, I eat to be healthy. And at the end of the day, a little bit of weight loss is great, but it's it's not the most important thing to me. And so like, I do want to eat out and I do want to eat some of those foods, even though like of the, let's say I've got four meals a day, seven days a week, 28 meals, even though, you know, 26 of the meals that I eat are going to be at home. I'm trying to get all of my nutrients, like I use the checklist, the checklist that we have as a free download, I use that. That's literally how I try to eat. I'm like eggs three to four times a week. I'm trying to make sure I eat eggs, oysters like once a week, salmon twice a week. I'm trying to make sure I do that. Red meat, I try to have as much red meat as possible. Cruciferous vegetables daily. I try to get those daily. Colorful vegetables, red capsicum, beetroot daily. You know, it's like I've got so many things that I'm trying to eat that are healthy. It's like I almost don't have time or room or even an appetite for the unhealthy stuff. So that's one of the ways that I practice a healthy constraint. I kind of fill myself up on all the foods that I know that I want to eat for the nutrients that it gives my body. That's the place that I operate from. That's the new Kate. And then when I want to treat, I've got permission to eat it. I have, I can eat what I want. Like I still can eat what I want. And you know, what that might look like is... If I have a random impulse that kind of comes out of nowhere and there's no real reason for it, I go, okay, look, if I still want it tomorrow, I'll have it tomorrow. And then sometimes tomorrow it comes around and I've forgotten about it. But sometimes it comes around and I'm like, no, I still kind of want that cookie. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to go get that cookie and I'm going to freaking enjoy it. I'm going to go like sit down. I'm going to slowly eat it. I'm going to just observe the view. I'm going to do whatever and make it an enjoyable moment rather than like hiding in my car eating it as fast as possible and then I'm like okay what else do I want you know what like just whole pass for the night like just go nuts make the most of it I'll start again tomorrow none of that 
I just go and eat the cookie and I just enjoy it. And then I plan on whatever the next meal is. So when you can have that level of flexibility, uh, it allows for you to not feel out of control um, because you have a degree of control, but not so much control that you're, it's almost doing the opposite. If you try to exercise so much control, um, that's when we often become too restrictive or rigid and you have to have a level of flexibility with your eating and your thinking. Um, And so doing what I just said, where it's like, hey, most of the time I'm eating pretty well, but sometimes I'm not like that. That's the level of control that works for me. You got to find what level of control works for you. Um, And it's an ongoing process. You know, food is a forever thing. Like we always say. Your food problems aren't just going to disappear because your body looks good all of a sudden. Like It's just, it's not. You're going to have to heal this stuff. You're going to have to work on it. And to be honest, when you think the healing's done, it won't be. <laughs> it's ongoing. And I think, you know, a question that I'm always wondering someone, if someone will ask me one day is, have you fully recovered from binge eating? Like, I'm kind of wondering if someone will ask me that because it's a bizarre question because I don't know if I feel like I have but I know that I, I have at the same time. I've come so far and like the way that I think and behave now is so different. It's bl- night and day. Uh, but at the same time, there's still weeks or weekends or when I'm traveling that I'm like I, feel like, I feel like the way that I used to behave and it's kind of weird and it's scary and I feel like I'm going backwards. But it's just a different scenario or a different challenge or a different environment and it just comes up and I also have to remember that you know, the work is never done and you think you're good, but you won't be. And it's the same thing with anything that you have been challenged with in the past that you've improved at. You're not suddenly like, chink, (laughs) that little noise, click, the work is done. No, wrong, incorrect, false. The work is never done. You'll think you'll be done and that will be the moment that it rears its ugly head. So just accept that. That's just part of the process. Just get used to kind of being okay with this being a process and a learning curve that goes on for freaking forever and it's okay it's just part of it and the more that you go all right let's just see how this goes and like just test a few things out and you know there's no deadline there's no rush there's no you know timeline that you have to get this figured out and you're just gonna continually be learning stuff about you for forever all right so those are the things that some of us assume about being lean that are wrong they're wrong, damn it. Okay, they're wrong. <laughs> um, I have a couple of really cool podcast episodes, topics that I'm really excited to talk about that will all be coming out. Um, I have some interviews lined up, so there's some exciting stuff coming. Um, and I've had some really, really nice positive feedback about the podcast, and I really appreciate that. So if you have some good things to say, um, and only if you have good things to say, then write a review. If you have bad things to say, you can email them. <laughs> No, okay, if you have bad things, you can put a review as well. But no, really, any feedback, any reviews are always, always appreciated. Uh, This is a baby podcast at the moment. Uh, I love talking about this stuff. I love hearing from you guys. Also, if you have questions that you would like answered, I would love to do some on the podcast. So if there's anything that comes to mind or any challenges that you're facing, anything at all just throw them my way you can send us a dm you can email them to kate at cfkate.com or any anything anyway you can come to my house and knock on my door and ask me a question <laughs> but we will see you guys on the next episode head over to cfkate.com if you want some more information on coaching thank you